0: of the Book of Sean. It's good to see you. I'm excited about tonight's show. I'm always excited when we get together, but tonight, especially so, uh, we have what I think will be an important show for you. My dear sister, Fragrance Harris Stanfield is here, and she is one of the survivors of the Buffalo Massacre that took place in the Topps grocery store there uh, when a white supremacist went in and assaulted and murdered African Americans for no other reason other than the fact that they were black. And she's one of the survivors here to tell her story Uh, and here hopefully uh, to allow me to pour into her life and to encourage her to keep going, keep living, keep smiling, keep dreaming, keep honoring, keep showing reverence, but not to give in to the spirit of fear. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. Don't get me started. (laughs) We're gonna do some Ask Dr. Shawn. And you know, listen, I, I love a good headline, and I got some good headlines for you tonight. So let's get started, people. Come on, highly play the bumper, man. So, listen to this story, okay? Because I like to find stories that are really going to make you go, what the hell did he just say? <laughs> and this one's going to make you go, what the hell did he just say? It was reported recently that one of the insurrectionists that stormed the Capitol on January 6th was already on probation when he went to Washington, D.C. His name is Brian Bictanker. And Brian Bictanker, right there, um, was already on probation when he went to D.C. And here's how he got to go. And first of all, it shouldn't surprise you that one of Donald Trump's supporters was on probation. <laughs> it should not surprise you that one of his supporters was, had already broken the law in some other kind of way. But here's how he got to go. Brian told the par- parole board that he was going to D.C., wait for it, to hand out Bibles on behalf of the Christian group, the Gideons International. You know, the people that leave the Bibles in the hotel room, you go, to, you go to a hotel, there's always a Gideon International Bible. He, he said he was going to D.C. to hand out Bibles. And so the parole board said, of course you could go hand out Bibles. What's wrong with a Bible? Little did they know <laughs> that old Brian was lying. He wasn't going to hand out no Bibles. He was going to try to overthrow democracy and to stop a legally functioning election. Huh? And and listen, this wouldn't be the first time people have used religion as an excuse to do something crazy, right? Religion has been used to cover, to shield, and to lie for evil and mendacity throughout the history of the world. As long as there's been religion, people have used it to do what they wanted to do with it. Am I right about it? Racism was justified by religion, sexism justified by religion, homophobia, transphobia, even poverty. <laughs> People have used religion to justify poverty. You can, use, you can find a verse in a scripture to justify whatever you want, right? But let me say something to you. Some of you going to like it. Some of you going to get mad. But that's what I'm here for. Unless you read Greek and Hebrew, you don't even know what the Bible says. You just know what somebody told you it says. Because those translations have are not actually what it says. Anyway, turns out Brian is not only not a very good Christian, he's also not a very good liar. And he's also kind of dumb because the parole board had a GPS tracker on his ankle. (laughs) (laughs) And so they knew the whole time that he was not handing out Bibles on January 6th and he was at the Capitol. And that's how Brian got caught, because he's not a good liar. (laughs) Well, good news is he supports a really good one. (laughs) Donald Trump is an excellent liar, which is why he's gotten away with it so much. But it shouldn't surprise you that an apparent Trump supporter appears not to be very intelligent, because quite frankly, you have to be delusional or crazy or bereft of reason or devoid of common sense or having descended into some particular kind of darkness where there is no light and language does not apply to support someone like Donald Trump. Let's move on. I'm cooking with hot grease fragrance. <laughs> Let's talk about the polio virus, okay? Because when I saw this, when I saw this over the weekend, I, I just, I had a visceral reaction and I couldn't wait to talk about it. So if I get a little excited and a little amped up, you'll have to pray for me and forgive me because this this is a this is a an installation of what I'm going to call this should not be happening. Okay, I'm going to start a whole new segment on this show called This Should Not Be Happening, and polio is one of them. So it, it was det- polio, the virus polio was detected in New York City wastewater over the weekend. Okay, for the most part, humanity had eradicated this disease because so many people were. Vaccinated against polio, you didn't have to worry about it. However, a bunch of you numb nuts out there, <laughs> stop believing in vaccines, and you're not vaccinated, huh? And your kids aren't vaccinated. So now polio has come back to the United States, and it's in the water in New York City. I also heard it's also in the water in Atlanta. Polio, a disease that we thought we had eradicated, Okay. Now, the good news is most people in this country are vaccinated for polio because they had good parents. Yeah, that's where I'm going. Put your seatbelt on. I I had a good parent. My mom got me vaccinated for smallpox and chickenpox and polio and the measles and the mumps. And when I had sons, I got them vaccinated because I'm a good parent. (laughs) I don't want I don't want my kids to be susceptible to a disease that might paralyze them and ruin their lives. Okay, And here's the other reason why. You ready for this? I don't get my medical advice from TikTok. I get it from a doctor. (laughs) Well, <laughs> apparently a lot of you go to Facebook to get your medical advice and you don't like vaccines because you don't know what they put in the body. Shut up. <laughs> polio is coming back because you people are not vaccinated. Now, I'm vaccinated for polio, so, you know, if I drink some water with polio in it, I'm going to walk off and go play basketball. But if you are not vaccinated and you drink some water with polio in it, you ain't going to walk off much of anywhere after a while. You do know that Franklin President, Franklin Delano Roosevelt got polio from drinking water out of of a water fountain. A random water fountain one day, he he was at an event and he drank the water from the water fountain, he went to bed that night, woke up with a fever and then later on he couldn't walk and he never walked again. But that was at a time when we didn't have a vaccine. We couldn't protect anybody from it and now we can. And people are running around acting like, you know, they're medical doctors. Why am I putting all that in my body? I'm not putting that? You put McDonald's in your body. You put Pizza Hut in your body. You're soda drinking devil. You, you're drinking Gatorade. You you don't know what's in none of that. And now billions of people, millions of people have been vaccinated with all these vaccines. Right. And we're all fine. We're not sterile. I'm not sterile. (laughs) (laughs) you know all the things people say none of that happened billions of people have been vaccinated and none of the things that people said was going to happen happened but you're the only one that stop it now I'm all for being vigilant right I'm all for being vigilant and watching the craziness that might go on in the government and the craziness that might go on in society I believe in that 100% but at some point common sense has to kick in people at some point you got to love your kids enough to say you know what I'm not putting my kids at risk. Listen, man, don't, don't play with polio people. Okay. Don't play with this disease. You don't want this in your life. Okay. Cause while COVID back in 2020 had the power to kill you, polio will make you wish that you were dead. But right, let's move on. Let's talk about this interesting story. Let, let, fragrance, listen to this story. Okay. Cause there's another one that's going to have me all fired up and needing prayer after the show. Um, So before I go into it, let me ask you a question. Do you know what a constable is? You know what that is? I'm going to tell you because it's going to be important for the story. So in most cases, a constable is an officer of the court okay? that can issue a summons or a subpoena. So a constable is not a police officer but there's someone who works for the court system, right? And they can issue a summons or a subpoena. They are an extension of the law enforcement apparatus, but they themselves are not cops. They're not police, okay? So, so what they do is they give you legal documents. When, when the court wants to issue something, they have a constable come to your house and give it to you. Okay, this is important. I'll tell you why. Because recently it was reported in New Orleans that a man was caught having sex with an unconscious woman which means that he was raping her. I got to pause here. If you're having sex with somebody who is unconscious and not able to respond or defend themselves and say no, that's called rape, okay? And we're going to come back to the issue of why men, why some men anyway, find, get some pleasure out of having sex with people who can't respond. I don't understand that. We'll come back to that. But a man was found having sex with an unconscious woman, which is rape. He was raping her. Someone saw it, and they saw someone in a uniform that they thought was a police officer, but it turned out to be a constable. And the constable did not respond to the incident. The the, the, the constable didn't run over and do anything, didn't stop it, okay? Now it turns out that the constable was not a police officer, and so apparently the constable believes since he was not a cop, he had no moral obligation to stop what was going on. And here's the part where I get fired up. Y'all ready? I don't give a damn (laughs) y'all just pray for me I I ain't all the way delivered I don't give a damn if you ain't a constable or a police officer or a sheriff or uh, the army the navy as a man if you see somebody raping a woman how do you not respond to that sir How, how do you not decide oh hell no how, how do you not see your mother, or your sister, or your daughter, or your wife, or your girlfriend, or your cousin, or your niece? How do you, what? You mean to tell me that because, because he was not a police officer, he thought, oh, it's not my responsibility. Somebody ought to slap him. Yeah. No, 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 no. Your humanity ought to kick in. You're going to see, let, let me tell you something, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. This, you guys know, I get fired up when you mess with defenseless people, Okay. Now, if you, if you want to attack the strong, be my guest. But people who cannot defend themselves, who are defenseless, that's why you always see me advocate for women, LGBTQ people, uh, trans people, uh, poor people. I'm always on the side of the weak and the wounded and people who are struggling in this society just to exist. That's me. I don't apologize for it. If you don't like it, I'm not your guy, and I don't want to be. But you can't tell me, if you see somebody being hurt, a woman who is unconscious being raped, Come on, bro. Come on. Anyway, before I move on and before I make this totally about the constable, I need to hear a story about the guy who was raping this woman. And the story that I need to hear is that somebody caught him and put his behind in jail. okay? because I want the constable who's been suspended, by the way, thankfully, to be suspended and lose his job. But I want the guy who was raping this woman to be arrested and thrown underneath the jail. Because I know some of y'all don't believe in prison no more, but the devil is a lie. <laughs> you rape somebody I care about, you, I want you in prison. I'm trying not to cuss, Fragrance. This is a daytime show, so I'm trying to keep it holy. <laughs> Let me do my last one. So Joe Biden was uh, in a conversation with a group of academics and scholars who warned him that democracy is in a very dire situation and condition. And apparently the scholars met with Joe Biden and reported to him that democracy is perilous in America and close to collapsing. And they told Biden in no uncertain terms that democracy could teeter into totalitarianism in any moment, in a New York minute, as we used to say, back where I come from. See, whatever you think about scholars and historians, I happen to like scholars and historians. I happen to fancy myself as being one of them, not a historian, but a scholar. You don't need a PhD to realize something is going on in this country. You don't need a PhD in anything to know that America is in trouble. You follow me? And if we're not careful, and if we're not clear, and if we're not courageous and vigilant, we're going to lose the very thing that makes this country distinct and unique. Because I don't care what you say about America, and there's a lot I can say about America, I don't want to live on a form of government where I don't have a say-so. Even if the say-so that I have isn't, isn't as great as I want it to be. It may be diminished, but at least it exists. I don't want to live in Russia. Talk to me, people. I don't want to live in Saudi Arabia. Y'all ain't going to talk back to me? I don't want to live in a place where I don't get a voice and a vote. I'm not doing that. And America is on the brink of losing the thing that makes this country distinctive and bright. The FBI raided Donald Trump's home. And the FBI raided his home because Donald Trump took documents he was not allowed to have legally. And because the FBI did his job, there are now people on the far right, the conservative nut jobs. Who want to attack FBI offices and who want to publish the information, the private information, of FBI agents to put their lives in threat. You see, when one person means more to you than the rule of law, that's called fascism. And for most of Trump's supporters, they don't care about democracy, they care about Trump. Whatever Trump says is what happens. huh? When you believe everything that somebody says and you don't question anything that comes out of their mouth, you are already subservient. And where I come from, you a sucker. I wish I could blame Donald Trump for this, but ironically, I know, I know where this started. I know where it started, where you just believe what one person says, and you never question it, and you just go along with it, and you do whatever they say. You know where it started? Not with Donald Trump. It started in the church. It started in American religion. Because in an American religion, we believe whatever the pastor says, whatever the bishop says, whatever the apostle says, and we don't question anything and we take it as gospel law. That's where this craziness started. That's where subservient Jenkins started. And remember, most of Donald Trump's supporters are evangelical Christians. So we're going to save democracy. You ready for this? We might have to do something about religion. (laughs) <laughs> Woo! hot grease baby when we come back I'm going to talk to my dear sister with this amazing story of courage and bravery of travail and sorrow um, how she survived the mass shooting in Buffalo I'm honored to have her here I'm honored to have her spirit grace us tonight get your hearts ready get your soul ready we're going to have a soul conversation with her right after this we'll be right back welcome back everybody you know sometimes I have the privilege of talking to An array of people. I've talked to every kind of person you could possibly think of, right? One of the blessings and the benefits of this show is I get to reach different manifestations of humanity. And always the stories are remarkable, and the stories are always interesting. But tonight, it's a very special opportunity. Because it's very rare that we get to, on this network and on this show, to talk to someone who has lived through what fragrance has lived through, who has come out on the other side and lived to talk about it and tell us about it. And I'm so honored to have her on tonight. Welcome to the show tonight, Fragrance Harris Stanfield. Hey, Fragrance, how are you?
1: I'm okay.
0: Thanks for asking. Oh, I love that. <laughs> I'm okay. <laughs> that, that's
1: that's <laughs> deeper.
0: That's deeper than you even realize. You are okay. You are I am. okay. Yes, yes, yes. We'll come back to that, by the way, um, okay. because before we leave, I, I I think that ought to be something that you and I repeat over and over again um, as a practice, as a life practice, as a faith practice. Uh, it's also something I think people who haven't been through what you've been through should repeat as well. Um, with your permission, I'm going to ask your permission um, to talk about what you went through. And that's where I want to begin, because I want people really to get a sense of, of what it is you went through. Um, so with your permission, you were working at the Topps grocery store in Buffalo on May the 14th um, when a racist attacker came in. Um, tell me what happened. What did you see? What did you hear?
1: Um, I heard gunshots and, um, we heard silence. Everyone stopped moving. Uh, everything stopped. We waited, uh, to see if the gunshots were coming our way or if we were being hit. Mm. Um, and then we started hearing them again. And the second time, uh, we heard the gunshots, uh, the security officer on duty was backing into the store and we could see him backing up, going for his weapon, lifting. And we began to scream and run and everything began to turn into chaos at that point. Um, And you could hear someone say, he's shooting back. And could hear someone say you know tell you where to go and and just people were shouting and screaming and a lot of commotion um my daughter was next to me she also works at tops with me and I grabbed for her thinking that she was running behind me um eventually I found out that uh, she was still inside um she froze and was in there the entire time but she also survived Hmm. thank god um and and both of them is just it's amazing um because as i ran um, i was pushed and then i was knocked to the floor um at some point and uh, i thought i was going to die there i i didn't i didn't think i was gonna make it i in my mind i had given up this is it and um It's like God lifted me up. I have no idea how I got back to my feet. I have no idea. Um, But when I did, my shoes were off. I'm running to my sock feet on freshly waxed floors to the back, slipping and just praying that I didn't fall again. And uh, I made it to the back. And I was relieved until I turned behind me and my daughter was not there. Mm -hmm. Then I started screaming. I was screaming and hysterical and they had to calm me down because of course we didn't want to attract the shooter to come to us so um, uh, eventually because uh, one of my co-workers was trying to get the back door open and they couldn't get it open because it's really high up so another co-worker of mine uh, quickly went to the door, got the latch off, opened the door and we all ran out of the back I ran to a driveway and I collapsed cause I was just still, my daughter wasn't with me. I'm just still dealing with all of it. We're being shot at, we're being attacked. We don't know if there's someone out here. We didn't know if it was someone on the other side of the door, mm-hmm. you know? And then the shooting started again, cause it, it was rounds, you know, where it would go and then it would stop and it would go and it would stop. And then we heard it again. I ran out of that driveway and ran a couple more houses down. And then at that point, I said, I can't go any further. My coworker came to console me and said, you know, let's let's go back. So we went back in, mm. We went back in the store in the same door we came out of. Now that we know there's no shooter in the back, we didn't know where the shooter inside was. We could still hear gunshots, but we went back in because my daughter was still in there. And I, I just I had to go. I had to go look. When we went in, there were other people in the back. We were banging on doors. We were yelling, and we had to calm down because there's still shooting going on. And and just before I could go back onto the sales floor, the police came through the doors towards me and told me I had to go out, and uh, they escorted us out. And I kept asking, has anybody seen my daughter? Do you know where she is? Is she still inside? Is she alive? Um, and they just scoot you to the side. They don't tell you anything. They don't... You know nothing, mm. and we're just we're just over there waiting and looking around and counting. I'm making sure that all my my cashiers got out. I had a number of young people um, on shift at the time, and just being responsible for a shift was never such a heavy thing mm. in a grocery store mm. until that day. Feeling responsible for everybody who's up there, not just my child, but someone else's child. Making sure i okay. You gotta okay. You know, and just looking around and making sure that you lay eyes on everyone, hug everyone, and just I'm consoling people while I'm still traumatized and still trying to deal with what's happening. Mm.
0: Consoling so people, was, even as was, consoling people, even as you are looking for your own daughter. Um, can, mm-hmm. can, can Can I ask you this question? Did
1: you ever see the shooter? I did not see the shooter. Mm. I. Mm. One more second, I would have seen the shooter, but that was not my goal.
0: Yes. So, no. Yes.
1: I did not see him that day, um, but he did come in other days before that, not knowing that he was going to shoot the store mm. up. So he, so 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 so
0: he had been to the store prior to the massacre.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Wow, I didn't yes. know that.
1: Mm-hmm. Multiple times. Mm.
0: Hmm. So, you yeah, know, was- it's it's it, everything you're giving me tonight is so riveting and, and so powerful. Um, and I can see even as you tell this story that that it affects you even to tell it. Um, I got to ask you this before we take another step. How did you find your daughter?
1: Um, my coworker found her. Um, she ran across the back end outside of the store to the other corner and she yelled to me and said she's over here. And so I didn't care. The police kept telling us you can't move, but I ran over and pretty much almost knocked her down to the ground. <laughs> I just grabbed her so we both like crashed into each other and just cuz she kept asking them has anyone seen my mom, you know, and can I walk out, you know, can you tell me where the rest of my coworkers are and you know, the amount of miscommunication was so frustrating. And I get it. It's a crime scene. There was a lot going on. But just, you know, that that's hard. That's hard.
0: What did you feel when you saw her?
1: Take me into that. Uh, relief. Uh, I was just, oh, my God. I, the, the things that went through my head about just trying to decide to save myself. Because she has kids, you know, I have granddaughters, I have two granddaughters. And I'm like, if she didn't survive and I go out there trying to save her or trying to find her and get killed, I mean, they lose two moms, you know. Mm. Um, So when I saw her, oh, my God, I was just I was so relieved. I was thankful for my grandbabies. I'm thankful for me, my family, for, for her just. And she looked okay. like she wasn't, you know, dazed. You know, um, I'm, t- I'm touching her head. You know, I'm just making sure she wasn't shot. Mm-hmm. Um It's just, I, w- I was very relieved. I was very relieved, but I didn't want to let her go. <laughs> I held on to her. She told me to lighten my grip. Cause I gripped her <laughs> a little too hard. I'm like, okay, so you can't leave my side. <laughs> so.
0: Listen one, one, one of the things that I always remember from this conversation that will live with me decades into the future is the part where you said that after you got out, you went back into the store to find your your daughter um, and our mm-hmm. children are always our little boys and little girls, so you JR. went back you, you went back into that store to find your little girl, and that will live with me that kind of love and courage um. Did you even think before you did that or you just instinctively did it?
1: (laughs) I don't even know. Like Mm. Trying to think of that moment, I just know I was just crying so hard, laying on the ground. And when my coworker came over and he said, are you okay? And I said, I'm not okay because I don't know where my daughter is. So when we went back in, we just, yeah, we just did it. I don't think we thought after that point. It's just when I don't know where she is, that's the answer to what's wrong with me is let's go find her.
0: Mm. Wow. That, that is, listen, I, I honor you tonight on so many levels. Um, but that kind of bravery and courage, it humbles me. I am humbled in your presence. Because it is, it is such a remarkable manifestation of of your inherent greatness and uh, I'm I'm so I'm just glad you're here tonight I'm glad your daughter is okay I got to take a break Um, but when we come back I want to ask you um, about how you felt and what you thought when you finally realized or heard however you heard it that this guy was in that store shooting just to kill black people I want to get your thoughts about that when we come back Um, Listen, folks, riveting, right? Riveting. Um, I promised you a show tonight that would touch your soul, and I think we've done that. But we're not done yet. So when we come back, we're going to find out uh, what Fragrance thought about the fact that this guy was a white supremacist, only there to kill black folks. We'll be right back right after this. Welcome back, everybody. I'm talking to my sister, Fragrance, who was one of the survivors of the mass shooting that took place in Baltimore, in Buffalo in May. Um, a riveting uh, story, a riveting narrative of what happened that day, uh, I think has touched all of us. Uh, Fragrance, you know, I, I, I promised on, on, the other, on the other side of the break uh, that I would, I would ask you this question, uh, because I think it's important that, that survivors speak for themselves, right? Um, because we've, we've heard what the pundits think about the fact that this guy was a white supremacist. We've heard what the, what, what the civil rights leaders think. But, but as someone who was there and whose daughter who was there... How did you feel and what do you think about the fact that this guy
1: was there to kill black folks? Um, Honestly, I tried my best not to really think about the shooter much or give him the pleasure of having me talk about him Mm. (laughs) at all. Um, But I think it's, it's sad that anyone in our society still feels like they should target people for their race their ethnicity you know their religion or any of these reasons i just think it's 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 crazy like that means we haven't we haven't budged from where we were before as a people hmm. as a race as a human race you know that we still can't love each other just because we're all human hmm. it's i couldn't believe that I feel like we're back in the, what is it, the 1900s, 1800s, you know, where people were chasing us. It's like you just feel like you're being chased down now, you know, like we still need papers to show that we're free. Mm. It just, it's a horrible feeling. Um, sitting down and talking to my children about this was crazy. They're like, I thought we, you know, I thought we have civil rights, and, you know, we we did marches, and we did all this stuff, and yeah, we did. And still, we're in a place in this country where people still try to kill us. And those are the same people who accuse us of attacking them, and that's the craziest part. You don't hear about Black people walking into white churches shooting them up, or just walking into shopping centers and shooting people for for any reason we don't even have to name a reason you just don't hear that that's not what happens. but unfortunately we do hear that white people do it still
0: Mm. yeah no that that was that was profound um you know so 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 let me ask you a, a a different kind of question Um, because, because I want to, I want to take the, the, the general direction of this conversation in a slightly different place. How do you feel knowing that you are the survivor of a mass shooting where most, a lot of people did not survive? How do you feel having survived that?
1: Uh, today I, I feel a little differently, um, but initially, I felt like death was still chasing me. Mm. I didn't feel safe. It wasn't just like a cloud of fear. I wasn't just afraid to go outside or anything. I went outside. I felt like I had a little time to get done whatever it was that I was going to do with the rest of my life. I didn't feel like I had much left to live um Hmm. once i realized that you know i'm alive and the uncertainty of when my time is 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 going to be up is is just as uncertain as it was prior to the shooting it it took me some time to get there Hmm. um but i still feel like you know making sure things are in order i still have young children I know I have my two grandbabies that are three and six months, but I also have a five-year-old,
0: seven-year-old,
1: 10-year-old, 15-year-old, you know, I have seven children just so you know. And so it's a lot, you know, um, it was a lot for them to deal with, just even thinking about the possibility of not having your mother. So just having those conversations, you know, If anything happened to me, I had thought about that, of course, we all think about it at some point, but really getting your will in place, you know, making sure that someone is designated to take care of my family, Mm. if anything happened to me, Mm. you know, that's, that's, that's big. And then just doing, doing what God called me to do, because you left me here for some reason, so. I got to, I got to do that. I got to do what I'm supposed to do now, you know? And it's not that I ever took for granted. I never took life for granted, but being an intentional person, I think I'm more intentional now Hmm. that everything I felt like I needed to do because it was my calling, like I have to, like, I have to do that.
0: I see fragrance. I, I, I see emotion on your face. What, what what what's that? What's on your face right now? What?
1: It's, it's. <laughs> I'm frustrated. I'm frustrated about a lot of things these days too. I'm not usually a frustrated person. I'm I'm very calm and diplomatic, but these days I'm frustrated because I feel like um. I feel like. Even though you're asking me about what I'm doing and what life is like for me, um, I feel like we were just supposed to go right back to work. It's just like somebody gets shot in the field back in slavery and everybody else is just supposed to keep working like nothing happened. Mm. Mm. So when I think about living and being alive, I think about these people right here and the cost that our community paid just to to improve because we're talking about everything that needs to be done now, and money is coming into the city and to the community to do all these things. And I'm like, but that was a a high cost that we paid. And the expectation is, okay, these people were killed, so y'all need to get yourselves in line and get back to work. And that's frustrating. Yeah. That's always in the back of my mind. Always.
0: Mm. Listen, I got to take a break. Can, can you stay a little longer?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Thank you. Thank you. So so, I, I'm going to I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to I got a few more questions I want to ask you and, and just talk with you a little more after the break. Um, we'll be right back. OK, um, this is important. And I'm glad you're here to see it. I'm glad you're watching tonight. Um, because if this doesn't change how you feel and think about the world and make you value yourself, nothing else will. Fragrance is an important contribution to all of us. We'll be right back right after this. Welcome back, everybody. I'm talking to Fragrance, um, who is one of the survivors of the Buffalo mass shooting. Fragrance, um, let me ask you this. Are, are, you, are you in a healing process at all?
1: I am. I am. Tell me about I that. What,
0: what what process are you in?
1: Well, I'm in therapy. Okay. I think that's important. Um, and my daughter's also in therapy. Um, but I am a musician. So music is where I find my peace and my comfort mm. and where I'm able to worship and I'm able to to give energy, and I also receive it back. So it's a reciprocal relationship. Um, so I am in the process of uh, doing a project called The Love Movement. I love that. Tell me about that. It's um, Well, I've produced five albums, and they, they span the course of love from searching for love, having love, being in that honeymoon phase, and then getting to the part where it's hard Mm. and just struggling to decide to stay with it. Um, And that's just following uh, my marriage and my relationship and my relationships with the community because it's not just love between a man and a woman, but also between parents and kids, between a person in their community and, you know, a person in God, you know. Yeah. You, know, you, know, you, know, you know, you know,
0: if if I may, Friggin', I'm sorry, to, I'm, I'm sorry to cut you off, but, <laughs> but sometimes you say something and I just want to just want to jump in and, and ask ask another question. And that is, you, you've mentioned your worship life, and you've mentioned mm-hmm. God, and as and as, mm-hmm. as 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 you may know, I'm I'm for all that. I'm 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 here for that, you know, 24 seven seven days of the week and twice on Sunday. Um yeah. But having gone through this experience, right? I mean, having gone through mm-hmm. this trauma and this tragedy and having Mm -hmm. to deal with people that you care about and love, go through it with you and having lost people. How has it changed your, or added to, or augmented your worship life and your sense of the creator? Um, Spiritually speaking, what have you come out of this experience with?
1: Um, I came out with uh, determination. Um, I've never been a conformist. it comes to religion so uh, my religious life has spanned the continuum and I I speak about it as a continuum because I think we all fall somewhere on there and uh, I've gone from being missionary baptist when I was a kid my grandfather was a pastor to non-denominational with my mother who was an evangelist to Hebrew Israelite to Jewish oh you've done it all i 've done it, and, and i'm I'm Muslim. I said i won't change again because that doesn't define me anymore, um, and there's no need for me to change my religion or classify myself as anything other than what I am now, because when I got to this point, I found that God has been with me the whole time
0: yeah so 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 frank frank frank,
1: frank, frank is, hold on, hold on i'm sorry
0: so <laughs> so so so, what does your religion say to you about what you went through?
1: It just says that God spared me for a reason. Mm. I have a purpose and I need to make sure to acknowledge him in my purpose. Mm. Um, and I need to touch people because I'm usually very quiet. I'm a background person. I'm usually in the back. Mm. Um, and I'm usually pretty quiet, and most people don't even know that I'm doing anything. People who work with me forget that I was even a part of the project. And it's not because I didn't do anything, but it's because I am i don't ask for too much acknowledgement. Hmm. Um, so that's different for me now. I feel like I have to do that because God put me in the front now, not just with you, but even... I was standing in the back hiding, and the reporters found me and asked me questions. And, and, and a woman that I didn't even know just spoke to me and told me how important it was that I speak up. And I, I ended up being an advocate, not just for me, but for all of the survivors, the living survivors, because people didn't know how many of us there were, mm. how many people were in the store that survived, how many people were working at that time. And so um, I've been doing that. And I, I decided to speak up. That meant my face is seen and people know who I am and that sort of thing. Um but that just encompassed everything about my life. I'm no longer just sitting back and being comfortable. Even when it's uncomfortable, I'm just still still going forward. And I love that. That yeah. Yeah, I love that. That happened to a lot of people in the Bible and in the Quran and yeah. you know. I'm,
0: I'm, I'm, I'm glad that your faith is saying that to you. Uh, listen, I'm running out of time, but I'm, I'm, I want to give you, I'm going to give you a, cause I, I know you can handle this. I'm, I'm going to give you a word. Okay. And, and just yeah. give, give me what comes up when I give you the word. Okay. Um, and then, uh, if I stop you, it's only because I'm running out of time. Okay. Okay. So, so, so here's the first one. Um, when I say life,
1: what comes, what comes to your spirit? Breathing and feeling yourself being aware of your physical self Mm. that you're living. You're not just surviving, but staying in tune with who you are Mm. and where you
0: are. When, when, When I say healing, what comes to your spirit?
1: Comfort. Um, Comfort and repair. Mm. Yeah.
0: Mm. Handle this one differently. Connect this one to your life. When I say grateful, what comes to your spirit?
1: Um, my family, mm. um, my children mostly, the future, um, and them taking this experience and letting it inform how they live their lives Hmm. and that they become more intentional, even in their generation. Hmm. Um, And even for my students, because I also teach and they've been touched by this, you know, Hmm. so closely. Here's my last one. I think that's
0: my last Mm -hmm. one. When I say fragrance, Harris, Stanfield, what comes to your spirit?
1: <laughs> the first thing I think of is Fragrance of Yah, which is actually my stage name. But I named myself that in 2011 because I am of God. That's who I am. And, and God spoke about a fragrance many times and how wherever I am, I want my fragrance to remind people of God's spirit and his love and I want them to be brought to a place of peace and a place of comfort mm-hmm. um, so that's what I think of for me yeah.
0: as well Listen, I, I have to go but thank you for being on tonight thank you for this, thank you for, for giving all of us the opportunity uh, to to travel with you because we basically traveled with you through this day. Um, and I am, you know, I will always remember this conversation for its significance, for its power. Uh, and I will, I will, I will remember you. And and here's what I want to give you before, before we go. I want you to know that as, as you know, the creator always has a plan and the marvelous thing that what you are doing now is that you are taking what the enemy meant for evil and you are pulling out of it something remarkably good. And what you've done tonight is you've allowed us to leave this segment of the show with more gratitude. Nobody watching tonight will turn this show off at the end and not love our children more, not love our spouses more, not love ourselves more. And that is all because of you. And that is all because of you and that is all because of you. Thank you, Fragrance. Thank you. <laughs> Listen, everybody, I, 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 gotta, I, gotta, I gotta take a break, um, but wow, we'll talk about this on the other side. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody, welcome back. Wow, uh, Fragrance is a gift to us all. Um, the tragedy is that she had to survive a mass shooting in America uh, for us to encounter her spirit and her wonder, but I'm so glad she did survive. And to all of you who are also surviving, be encouraged by her, because we're all surviving something, maybe not a mass shooting, but we've all come through the fire and we've all come through the flood and we come out on the other side with something to talk about and a story to tell. And I wanna encourage all of you to do what she has done tonight, and that is just to tell your story because you never know how many people you blessed when you open your mouth and you find the courage to tell the world, this is what they did to me. All right, let's do some Ask Dr. Sean. Highly, play the bumper, man. All right. You guys always send me great questions, and um, so this is no different. Um, let's watch the video.
1: Hello, Dr. Sean. My name is Ramsey, and I have a question for you. Do you think it's shallow for an individual not to date someone strictly because of their height? Or is that just a preference?
0: What? (laughs) Do I think it's shallow not to date someone because of their height? Let me think about it. Yes, I think it's shallow not to date somebody because of their height. Of all the things not to want somebody in your life for or about, I don't think height is a significant thing at all. You're telling me somebody is, has a wonderful heart, great character, great spiritual life, smart as a whip, beautiful, you know what I'm saying, or handsome, stacked, muscular, and the only thing that they got wrong is their height. And you're going to let all that walk out the door over some height. Huh? You see, people have types and a lot, types are problematic because people get caught up in their type and then they miss their blessing because sometimes your blessing don't come in the form of your type. And most of the time our types are developed in trauma. <laughs> we want people for reasons that no longer make sense because the conditions that created those things, those types, those wants no longer apply. Do I think it's shallow? Yeah. And I also think that it's detrimental. You might miss out on something wonderful because you're caught up in something that really doesn't matter. It's not the height of the woman or the, or the stature of the man. It is ultimately who they are, their character, their imagination, their genius. You can't just let, you can't let greatness walk out the door because it's short. You can't, you, can't let, you can't let beauty walk out the door because it's short. You know what I'm saying? You got, sometimes you got to get over yourself. And you got, I ask people this question all the time. What would you do if you found the love you needed, but it came in a form you would not normally accept? So what would you do if you found all the love you wanted and all the love you needed, but it wasn't six foot two, it was five foot eight? What would you do? Or in your case, if you're talking about a woman, she's not five foot seven, she's four foot nine. You would let that go? I prayed to the creator with every ebullient strength and power and words that I could muster that I would never be that kind of person. I never want to be the kind of person that let something good go because I couldn't get past the presentation of it. Cause I mean, let me, let let's let's do this in the reverse. You ready? You ready? Because this is what I do for a living. So let's do this in the reverse. <clears throat> if you found somebody who was the perfect height, whatever the perfect height is for you. So if you like men and the height is you you like them tall, he's six foot six. I mean muscular stacked with big feet. And you know what I'm saying? You like you like you like your women tall? Okay, she's five foot nine, five ten. Okay, but they came with the inability to be kind, they didn't have compassion or empathy. They were stuck on the fact that they were beautiful and tall. Would you accept them because they were tall? If you wouldn't accept them just because they're tall, you shouldn't reject them because they're not. Listen, thank you for tuning in tonight. Tonight was major, tonight was significant. I hope you were blessed. I hope you're better. And make sure that you love the people that's in your life because you never know in this country when we might lose them. Y'all be good to each other. I'll see you real soon, okay? And remember, especially tonight, I love you. How about that? Never. The roar of our engines, the pump of our heartbeats, the pedal to our metal, the sparks that ignite us, the pistons that push us, the passions that drive us. From the feelings that move us to the places that pull us. On the roads that unite us, with nearly six thousand stores and over seventeen thousand auto care centers, Napa has America's largest network of parts and care.
1: Here to keep you firing on all cylinders. Help Jews in poverty at HelpJewsNow.org. Your twenty-five dollar gift today will help provide a life-saving food box to Jews in need. Be a blessing right now. Visit HelpJewsNow.org. That's HelpJewsNow.org.